The United States constantly talks about a so-called rules-based order. It doesn't talk about the international law-based order with its center at the United Nations. It talks about this very vague concept of a rules-based order. And of course, that's one in which the United States makes the rules and orders everyone around. I've talked about this a lot here at Multipolarista, but we now actually have a top diplomat from France, a retired diplomat, who served as French ambassador to the United States for five years. He has come out publicly and criticized the US government for constantly violating international law. And he has said that the whole concept of the so-called rules-based order that US diplomats constantly talk about is false. It's, it's fraudulent. And that the reality is that he's talking about, that, that the West is talking about a Western order dominated by Western hegemony. When the Americans uh, basically want to do whatever they want, if, including when it's against the international law, as they define it, they do it. And that's the vision that the rest of the world has of this order. It's a Western order. And they accuse us of double standard hypocrisy. He criticized the U.S. new Cold War on China, saying that it's doing serious economic damage to Europe. On the American side is the development of an economic warfare, warfare against, against China. It's really cutting, making impossible cooperation in a very important, uh, critical field. Seen from Europe, there was a, a concern, in a sense, that the Americans were uh, engaged into a, a containment policy. Asia doesn't want to be Europe of the Cold War. He called for countries around the world to have more representation at the United Nations and international institutions. He said that the West needs to look at the world through Beijing's perspective and stop blaming China for everything. Maybe that if we try to see the world from Beijing, to put ourselves in the shoes of the other side, to try to understand how they see the world. And he also said that the, that the West needs to get off of its high horses and stop treating itself as the so-called leader of the world. You know, really trying to get out of our, our high moral ground and to understand that they have their own interests. Again, this is a top French diplomat. His name is Gérard Arrault. He served as French ambassador to the United States. He also served as France's permanent representative to the United Nations. So. He's one of the most senior French diplomats. And he made these comments in a very interesting dis panel discussion with a Washington, D.C.-based think tank called the Quincy Institute. It are, it's one of the only think tanks in Washington that lobbies against very warmongering, aggressive, bellicose foreign policy and calls for more restraint. So the video clips I'll be using in this segment today are all credit to the Quincy Institute. I published an article that includes all of the links, the sources, and transcripts of the quotes that this French diplomat Arrault said in his interview. And I have a link to that article that I published at multipolarisa.com in the description below. If you want to get a link to all of the sources that I mentioned in this analysis here today. And the image that I used of the image I used for this article over at multipolarisa.com shows the French ambassador Gérard Arrault in the White House with former U.S. President Barack Obama, just underscoring the fact that this guy, when you listen to his comments, 
he is not a minor French diplomat. He is, of course, retired, so he's no longer serving. But he was one. Of, he was at the top of French diplomacy. So the fact that he's making these comments is, I think, very important. And it reflects the fact that within the French ruling class, there are people who are very critical of U.S. imperialism. They are very critical of the unipolar order created after the overthrow of the Soviet Union in 1991, in which the United States ruled the entire world. And there are politicians and members of the ruling class in France and other countries in Europe who want the global, the global power, system, power structure and economic architecture to be more diversified, more decentralized. Now, I'm not saying that they're all anti-imperialists. Certainly a top French diplomat like like this figure, Aro, he's not an anti-imperialist. He is in many ways trying to advocate for what's better for France. And he recognizes that what's best for France is not necessarily what's best for the United States. Those things are not equal. So let me cut now to this very revealing clip in which the former French ambassador to the United States, Gérard Aro, he condemns this concept of the so-called rules-based order and says it's actually a Western order dominated by Europe, Europe and the United States. Well, I, to be frank, I've always been uh, extremely skeptical about this idea of rules-based order. You know, really, uh, personally, for instance, look, I was the permanent representative to the United Nations. Uh, we love the United Nations, but the Americans not too much, you know. Uh, and, and actually, when you look at uh, the hierarchy of the United Nations, everybody there is, is, is ours. You know, the Secretary General is, is Portuguese, he was South Korean, but when you look at all the Under Secretary General, all of them really are either American, French, British, and so, and so on. Uh, when you look at the, at the World Bank, when you look at the IMF, and, and so on. Now, so that's a, a, a first element. This order is, is our order. And the second element is also that actually, uh, this order is reflecting the balance of power in 1945, and is you know you look at the permanent members of the Security Council. You know, really, uh, people forget that if China and Russia are obliged to oppose their veto, it's because, frankly, the Security Council is all most of the time, 95% of the time, as a, a Western-oriented majority. Uh, so, so this order, uh, frankly, and. And you can also be sarcastic because when the Americans uh, basically want to do whatever they want, if, including when it's against the international law, as they define it, they do it. And that's the vision that the rest of the world has of this order. You know, really, when, uh, when I was in uh, the United Nations is a fascinating spot because you have ambassadors of all the countries and, and you can have conversation with them. And the vision they, they project of the world, their vision of the world, is certainly not a, a world, a, a rules-based order. It's a Western order. And they accuse us of double standard hypocrisy and, and, and so on and, and so on. So I'm not sure that this question about rules is, is really the, the, critical, uh, the critical question. My, I think my first... Uh, the first assessment that we should do would be maybe, as we say in French, to put ourselves in the shoes of the other side to try to understand how they see the world. 
Now I want to highlight a few comments that Aro made here. They're very interesting. Of course, he acknowledged that the World Bank and the IMF are dominated by the West. That has always been obvious. They're instruments of U.S. neocolonial economic power. The U.S. is the only country that has a veto in those Bretton Woods institutions that were created in 1944 with the U.S. dollar at the center as the global reserve currency. But this French ambassador, Aro, he also pointed out that the United Nations is very biased, that the leadership of the United Nations is thoroughly dominated by the United States and European countries. Uh, and, and actually, when you look at uh, the hierarchy of the United Nations, everybody there is, is, is ours. You know, the Secretary General is, is Portuguese, he was South Korean, but when you look at all the Under Secretary General, all of them really are either American, French, British, and so, and so on. The vast majority of the global population, which is outside of the West, in the global South, which makes up 85% of the global population, the West and its allies, you know, throwing Australia and New Zealand into this idea of the West, you know, it's not just a geographic block, it's a, it's a political block that was created. The West is only 15% of the global population, and yet it dominates the United Nations, and that is fundamentally unfair. That's why this French diplomat pointed out that China and Russia, which are two of the five permanent members of the UN Security Council, along with the US, Britain, and France, those are the, the victors in World War II, China and Russia frequently, when they use their veto in the UN Security Council, they are doing so in collaboration with the majority of the global population in the global south. He acknowledges that here. You look at the permanent members of the Security Council, you know, really, uh, people forget that if China and Russia are obliged to oppose their veto, it's because, frankly, the Security Council is all, most of the time, 95% of the time, as a, a Western-oriented majority. It's not because China and Russia are rogue states. It's actually frequently the United States that violates international law. I'm just going to play this, this clip again, because it's so important to hear him criticize the United States for violating international law. Again, this is the former French ambassador to Washington. When the Americans uh, basically want to do whatever they want, including when it's against the international law, as they define it, they do it. Then Aro followed up saying that when he was working at the United Nations, he spoke with many representatives of countries around the world and that they see the so-called rules-based order as a Western order based on double standards and hypocrisy. Here's that clip again. Their vision of the world is certainly not a world a rules-based order. It's a Western order, and they accuse us of double standard hypocrisy. Here at Multipolarista, I have often said, I've repeated that when the U.S. says the so-called international rules-based order, it means one in which the U.S. makes the rules and orders everyone around. But, you know, I'm a journalist. I'm not a former French ambassador to the United States, which is why I wanted to highlight, again, those very important comments that were made. Because when you hear them from someone with the stature of Aro, I think they have even more authority. Now, in this interview with the Quincy Institute, the French ambassador also said that if the world truly wants to create a rules-based order, a real one, it must be based on one where 
other countries in the global south are allowed to operate on an equal basis. He stresses that. They need to be on an equal basis. He mentions China, India, Brazil. These are massive countries. China and India both have 1.4 billion people. And Brazil has over 200 million. If you combine those three countries, we're talking about 3 billion people. And yet the West, again, is only 15% of the global population. So here he says what a real rules-based order could look like. We should uh, really ask the Indians, ask the Chinese, the Brazilians, and other countries really to work with us on an equal uh, on an equal basis. And that's something, uh, it's not only the, the Americans, also the Westerners, you know, really trying to get out of our, our high moral ground and to understand that they have their own interests. Now, the United States has been trying to pressure Europe to go along with its new Cold War on not only Russia, which they're very happy to go along with, but also on China, which they're not happy to go along with. In fact, this November, the German chancellor, that is the leader of Germany, Olaf Scholz, took a historic trip to China. And then after he published an, an open letter, an op-ed in Politico, in which he said that we're in a new multipolar world. And he criticized China, but he said that Europe wants to maintain relations with China. It doesn't want to be forced to choose between the United States and China. And in this interview here, we see the top French diplomat, again, he's retired, but former top French diplomat, Jean Arrault, he also says that France has a similar perspective, that it is concerned about the so-called containment policy that the United States has been taking against China. He criticized the economic warfare that Washington is waging against Beijing. And he said that that, that the rest of the world is trying to find a so-called modus vivendi, that is a, a way of living with this conflict between the U.S. and China. That is to say that they don't want to have to choose just the U.S. or just China. So here we see this French diplomat criticizing the U.S. new Cold War on China. I think the international relationship will be largely dominated by the rivalry uh, between China and, and the United States. And uh, foreign policy, I think, in the coming years will be to try to find a modus vivendi uh, between uh, uh, the, two, uh, the two powers. I was struck, but maybe because I'm not a specialist, by the decision really basically to cut any relationship with China in the field of advanced ships, uh, which is sending a message of we are going to try to prevent you from becoming an advanced economy. It's, it's really, it's economic warfare. On the American side is the development of an economic warfare, warfare against, against China. It's really cutting, making impossible cooperation in a very important uh, critical field for the future of Chinese economy. Now in these remarks, Aro also used very interesting language. He pointed out that China is not emerging, rather it is re-emerging. We constantly hear this idea of emerging economies, which is often used for developing economies or formerly colonized countries, their economies. And he points out, you know, obliquely that China for hundreds of years was a major global power. It is re-emerging because of the 100 years, the century of humiliation 
of European colonial domination of China. And then in 1949, with the victory of the Communist Revolution, China overthrew the colonial puppet regime and the, re the remnants of the European colonial order that was imposed on it. And actually, even much later on, Hong Kong was a British colony right up until the 1990s. Until 1997, Hong Kong was ruled with an iron fist by an unelected dictator appointed by the British Empire, who was himself a British, uh, a Brit, like not, not Chinese, not from Hong Kong. So that legacy of European colonialism is still very much alive. And that explains why the Western powers are so uneasy with China's re-emergence, because it, it challenges their fundamental domination of the world. I mean, there are a few rare exceptions of people like Gerard Arrault who are willing to, uh, to acknowledge these facts. But of course, many Western diplomats are frothing at the mouth about China. Now, Arrault also pointed out that it's not just Europe that, is, that doesn't want to be forced to choose between the U.S. and China. Many countries in Asia do not want to, to engage in this new Cold War and don't want to be forced to choose a camp between either the U.S.-led camp or the China-led camp. Seen from Europe, there was a, a concern, in a sense, that the Americans were uh, engaged into a, a containment policy Asia doesn't want to be Europe of the Cold War. Uh, they don't want to have a bamboo uh, curtain. They don't want to choose their camp. And, and Australia has chosen its camp, but it's a, it's a particular case. But Indonesia, Thailand, Philippines, they don't want to choose their camp. And we shouldn't demand they choose their camp. So we, we need to have a flexible policy of talking to the Chinese, because talking is also a way of reassuring them, uh, trying to understand their, their, their interest, also to define our interest not in a maximalist way of really simply trying to, to keep the Western hegemony. Note here that the French diplomat Arrault, he used the term Western hegemony. Western hegemony. He says China has interests too, other countries have interests. We have to acknowledge those interests. And, and our goal should not just be to maintain Western hegemony. It's pretty incredible hearing a top French diplomat saying that. Now, I should point out, of course, that France is by no means innocent in this Western hegemonic order. France still has a kind of neo-colonial system in Africa, especially in Western Africa, with the CFA, the colonial franc system, in which France uses the euro as its currency, but it forces numerous countries in Africa to use its colonial franc currency. And, and half of the foreign exchange reserves of those central banks in Western Africa are forced to hold those foreign exchange reserves, half of them in France, in Paris. So that's a clearly a form of neocolonialism. France was involved in the NATO war that destroyed Libya in 2011. So France is itself an imperialist power. I'm not in any way trying to excuse that. But once again, this is a former, a retired senior French diplomat pointing out that, that some European leaders are not on board with the U.S. new Cold War, and they don't want to simply be lackeys of the U.S. empire. Although, of course, we see that economically there's a different situation happening. And 
Europe, Europe's economy is being subordinated. And of course, it's economics that ultimately determines where political decisions are made. Now, in this interview with the Quincy Institute, Arrault also criticized the idea that the U.S. needs to be the unipolar leader of the world. This once again shows that there are some of these European diplomats who don't support this cross-Atlantic concept in which the U.S. should dominate the planet as the leader of the world. That the Americans have entered uh, the world, in a sense, being already the big boy on the block. Uh, in 1945, it was 40% of the world GDP, which also may explain uh, what, what is American diplomacy. Uh, the world of American diplomacy, the world of American diplomacy is leadership. You know, really, it's really striking for foreigners. Uh, as soon as there is a debate about American foreign policy, immediately people say, we have to restore our leadership. Leadership. And other countries may say, why leadership? Also in this interview with the Quincy Institute, uh, Gérard Arrault, he says that the West, the Western media constantly demonizes China. And yet, Instead, the West should be trying to see the world from Beijing's perspective. And instead of trying to have a zero-sum game, they should try to find a compromise that serves both China's interests and the West's interests. A mutual compromise, which is also what China constantly calls for, the concept of win-win cooperation and not a zero-sum game, which is what Washington always says, where it's either win or lose. You, you, one side has to win everything, one side has to lose everything. Here are those comments. When you look at the, at the, at the European or Western newspapers, you have the impression that China is a, is a sort of a, mon a dark monster which is moving forward, never committing a mistake, uh, never really facing any problem and going to the domination of the world. You know, Chinese work 20 hours a day. They don't want vacation. They don't care. They want to dominate the world. Maybe that if we try to see the world from Beijing, uh, really we will consider suddenly that all the borders of China are more or less unstable or threatened or facing unfriendly countries. And that from a Chinese point of view, um, maybe, you know, they want to improve their, their situation. It doesn't mean that we have to accept, to accept it, but maybe to see, to remember that any defensive measure of one side is always seen as offensive by the other side. And uh, so let's understand that China has its own interest. You know, even dictatorships have legitimate interest. And so look, let's look at this interest and let's try to find uh, a compromise with our own interest. Aro followed up with an interesting anecdote when he was serving as France's ambassador to the U.S., he said that he would speak with the so-called China specialists in Washington, D.C., and he would ex explain to them, he would say, look, the U.S. military keeps sending warships right off the coast of China, right through the Taiwan Strait and the South China Sea, constantly threatening China. And yet, how would the U.S. respond if China sent its warships right off the coast of the U.S.? And then he said that the so-called China experts in Washington, they never had an answer to his question. They didn't even understand what he was getting at, which shows how completely delusional with this imperialist fervor these so-called China experts are in Washington. Here's that clip. When I was in Washington, just after the, after the speech of Vice President Pence to the Hudson in October 2018, 
really, I, I, I met a lot of specialists of China in Washington, D.C. But when I was trying to tell them, you know, your, your ships are patrolling at 200 miles from the Chinese coast, at 5,000 miles from American coast, what would be your reaction if Chinese ships were, were patrolling at 200 miles from your, from your coast? And obviously, my interlocutors didn't understand what I meant. And that's the question. You know, really trying to trying to figure out what are the reasonable interests of the other side. Now, what these comments from France's former ambassador to the U.S. show, as well as the op-ed, the open letter that was written by Germany's Chancellor Olaf Scholz after he took his trip to China and said we're in a new multipolar world. What both of these remarks acknowledge, what is that they reveal is that Europe is not on board with the new Cold War on China. That Europe wants to maintain, in particular, economic relations with both the U.S. and China. China is the world's largest economy. It continues to grow. It is by far the largest producer. The U.S. on paper has a very large economy, but most of that is in the fire sector, finance, insurance, and real estate. It's based on financial speculation and financial capital. It's not based on physical production. China is the laboratory of the world, and it, it constantly exports and exports around the world. The U.S. for many years has had a massive trade deficit, a current account deficit. It imports way more than it exports because it's a financialized neoliberal economy. So Europe understands the critical importance of China for the global economy. Again, China is actually technically the largest economy in the world if you do a measurement of purchasing power parity, which is a much better measurement than simply GDP and U.S. dollars, considering for domestic consumption, China doesn't use the U.S. dollar, and other economies don't as well. So anyway, now, what those two remarks, the these this interview with Zhao and the letter from Olaf Scholz, they, they show that Europe does not want to wage the new Cold War in China. However, Europe is completely on board with the new Cold War on Russia. That is something completely different. And of course, I should emphasize that in the comments that Gerard Arrault, this French ambassador, made in his interview with the, the Quincy Institute, he was very critical of Russia. Let's not pretend that he is also, you know, saying that the West should stop waging the new Cold War on Russia. No, he said that Russia is a threat to Europe and all of this. But he acknowledged that the real threat, not militarily, because he said China is not a military threat to, to, to the West. He said that China is not a military threat. But economically, the, the real threat to U.S. global domination is not Russia. It is China. And the U.S. military in its own defense strategy, um, the national defense strategy that the Pentagon just released, the United States acknowledged that that the real threat to Western hegemony, U.S.-led Western hegemony, is not Russia, it is China. Ch Russia is trying to push back against Western meddling and intervention and hegemony in Eastern Europe, in former Soviet countries like Ukraine, organizing coups and color revolutions. But Russia is not actually a challenge to Western hegemony on the global stage. China is a challenge to U.S. imperialism and U.S. global domination and unipolar hegemony. And here, uh, Aro made an interesting comment where he said that because of China's massive economy, the biggest economy in the world, 
significant, 10 times larger than Russia's. He says that because of that, Russia is similar to Austria-Hungary, whereas it was allied with Germany leading up to World War I, and that Austria-Hungary was clearly uh, a lesser power in terms of its economic and political uh, influence compared to Germany. And he uses this term that sometimes it's used to refer to France historically, a brilliant second, which is a term used to compare France to the British Empire, to British imperial hegemony and domination of the planet. France was a brilliant second. He's saying that Russia is a brilliant second to China. So very interesting comment here. Listen to this. And in this context, uh, Russia is a bit like Austria-Hungary with Germany before the First World War is a bit doomed uh, to be uh, the brilliant, uh, uh, the brilliant second of 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 China. Now, while he was saying that, uh, Jaro was also harshly criticizing Russia for its invasion of Ukraine on February twenty fourth, twenty twenty two. Now, he didn't mention that the U.S. backed a coup in Ukraine that overthrew its elected neutral government in February 2014. He doesn't mention the NATO proxy war between 2014 and the Russian invasion in early 2022. He blames everything on Russia, of course, which is common in the West. But he did make an interesting comment. He said that the Western sanctions on Russia is, are causing Europe to inflict pain on itself. So he acknowledged that this is actually economically suicidal for Europe. And he warned, he said that we continue to do damage to ourselves in Europe with these sanctions. And the U.S. is not being hurt as much by the sanctions because it's much more energy independent, whereas Europe is, is reliant on, on importing gas and oil, whereas the U.S. is such a large country that it can produce its own oil and gas. And he said that because he expects the, war in, the, pro, the NATO proxy war in Ukraine to go on so long, that Europe's not going to be able to lift the sanctions on Russia acknowledging that Europe is going to go through some years of serious economic pain. So listen to this very interesting comment here. And the other side, on the European side, is inflicting to ourselves some pain uh, to react to the invasion of, of, of Ukraine. With Russia, um, let's be frank, we are a bit in a dead air because uh, as, as long as the war in Ukraine will will go on, and my bet, unfortunately, is that it may go on for a long time. It will be impossible for the Europeans and the Americans, in a sense, uh, and but also for the Europeans to leave the sanctions with Russia, uh, which means that our relationship with Russia may be frozen for an indefinite future. And uh, really, and uh, it's very, you know, no diplomacy. I think it's very difficult to have a, a diplomatic uh, activity in this uh, in this situation. So with that, I just want to give credit once again to the Quincy Institute. This is a think tank in Washington, D.C. that advocates for a more restrained, less belligerent U.S. foreign policy. And the panel discussion that they held on November 14th was titled, Is America Ready for a Multipolar World? And of course, anyone who watches or listens to my program here, Multipolarista, they know that the answer to that is clearly no. That's why the U.S. is waging this new Cold War, is to prevent the creation of a multipolar world and to try to bring back the unipolar world in which U.S. corporations 
and US-controlled financial institutions dominated the entire global economy and were, were able to impose neoliberalism and this ultra, you know, ultra-capitalist financialized system based on rent extraction to extract the, extract the wealth of the world so US corporations and billionaire capitalists could, could profit from this unipolar imperialist order. In the description below, I will link to this article, which has all of the sources for people who want to find the original video and to find a tr transcript of these comments made by Gerard Arrault. I will link to that article at multipolarista.com in the description below this episode. If you want to support the work that I do, you can go to patreon.com slash multipolarista. I have no big sponsors. It's completely, this show is completely reliant on small donations from people who support my program. So I want to thank everyone who watched or listened. I'll see you next time.